Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome to another Arsecast on Arsblog.com in association with ClassicFootballShirts.co.uk. Might be a slightly shorter one this week uh, because of uh, some restrictions in time and some technical problems, but better something than nothing, generally speaking. That may not hold true necessarily for the Arsecasts. Um, on the way, a blog chat with uh, Gilberto Silver from GunnerBlog.com. We shoot the breeze about all things Arsenal, and he's actually learned how to talk... Uh, more quickly than he used to. Uh, Arsene Wenger Hawkins will be here as well. Uh, he received a very interesting proposition uh, during the week, and his response to that is forthcoming. We'll have a bet of the week with thanks to bluesquare.com, and if, if I can think of anything else to throw in between now and then, I will. So a good week football-wise, more or less. Uh, in points-wise, we'll say it's a good week. Uh, Sunday, we went to Chelsea, drew 1-1. Matthew Flamini's goal uh, could have won it for us, but I suppose we have to be thankful that Michael Essien is better from 30 yards than he is from three. Uh, fairly typical that Ashley Cole was the guy who fouled in the build-up to that, something which uh, did not amuse Arsene Wenger at all. But there you go. What goes around comes around. Glad to see nothing too serious happened. All the rubbish uh, and outrage, so to speak, about the homophobic comments and inflatable mobile phones. I'm glad that it was played down in the end. But, uh, you know, uh, when you compare that to the song they were singing about Arsene Wenger and, and uh, various other things, you know, it pales into, into insignificance, really. Uh if they're allowed to sing those sort of songs about our manager, we should be allowed to run on the pitch and, and set Ashley Cole on fire. That's my thinking on it. But maybe I'm alone in that. Um, as well as that, Jens Lehmann uh, had some words uh, for Frank Lampard after the diving theatrics that Lehmann and Drogba got up to, which was fairly pathetic on both their parts, to be fair. Two big, strong guys falling over like, you know, two things that fall over very easily. What falls over very easily? A&R's website seems to. So, yeah, so there you go. And obviously, uh, Lampard uh, said some things to Jens. Jens said afterwards that Lampard was the master of insults, a terrible, terrible insults. And um, having viewed the tape and, and received a, a special tape of the match from, from Sky, I was able to lip-read some of the things that Lampard supposedly said to Jens Lehmann. One of them was, You like Terence Trent Darby's second album. My God. As well as that, he said, you cannot eat as many pies as what I can. Finally, he said, you are solely responsible for the UK success of David Hasselhoff. It's just not fair. Seriously, somebody needs to do something about Frank Lampard because that kind of behavior is just unacceptable. What will it take for the FA to do something about this, this gratuitous sledging? I mean, is he going to have to accuse somebody of being a Phil Collins fan before they'll take him in hand. Frank Lampard is just lucky, and he should thank his lucky stars every day that he was choosing to insult one of the game's nicest guys, a man without a temper, a man who will not react to the tiniest 
provocation. This is Jens Lehmann we're talking about. Probably the, the, the most cuddly, easygoing guy in, in all of Premiership football. One day Frank Lampard is going to insult the wrong person and, and when he's laid out seeing stars, I will say, I told you so. Except I didn't say it to him. I mean, I'm not going to tell him, am I? Chances of him listening to the Arscaster are fairly slim. There's no point me telling Lampard and telling you because you can watch out for it. But if I tell Lampard, maybe he'll change his ways and maybe somebody won't punch his face in. And that would not be good for football. Frank Lampard needs his face punched in. End of story. Then on Wednesday night, we went to Wigan for what was surely the game of the season. The excitement had me on the edge of my seat. I nearly wet my pants with hysteria. I just couldn't keep up with all the brilliant flowing football. Uh, But at the end of the day, the 1-0 win, the Adibayor goal, the 57-yard strike, or no, five-foot strike, whatever it was. Uh, thank God for that goal, because it really would have made my night fucking miserable. And, and if it made my night miserable, what about all the Arsenal fans that went up there and were so good and so loud? Uh, you know, if I was feeling bad, how, how must they feel? I mean, I, I at least just went to my local pub to watch it. I didn't have to go to Wigan. So, uh, well done to the boys, I suppose. They kept fighting. Uh, it wasn't a great performance. It was worrying in ways. Uh, there were things about it that I didn't like, but three points is three points. I've sort of mellowed a bit on the blog on Thursday morning. I was a little um, little more harsh. and Maybe I shouldn't have been. Maybe I need to write these things uh, in the cold light of day instead of coming home and then writing them and then getting up the next morning and thinking about rewriting them and then going, well, fuck that. I've already written it although I might have been just a little bit jarred while doing so. A little in my cups, as they say. Right then, onto this week's blog chat, uh, which uh, features Gilberto Silver from GunnerBlog.com. We talk about the Chelsea game. We talk, I think we talk about the Chelsea game anyway, but mostly what we talk about is 4-5-1 against teams that don't merit us playing 4-5-1. Some in-depth tactical discussion there, or, you know, We just blather on about it for a while. As well as that, we uh, chat about uh, who we might buy in the January transfer window, and we come to the conclusion that while we could do with buying somebody, we're not going to unless we sell somebody. And then we look ahead to the Portsmouth game uh, on Saturday, not so much the game itself, but the return of two Arsenal old boys in Tony Adams and Sol Campbell. So uh, without further ado, here's this week's blog chat. Okay, this week on the Arscast, uh, the blog chat, we welcome back Gilberto Silver from GunnarBlog.com. Hello to you. Hello to you. On Sunday, we played Chelsea uh, with a fairly understrength team, you'd have to say, uh, uh-huh. and, and performed very well. And, you know, despite the last five minutes where, when Chelsea could have won it about six times, uh, you know, we could have got three points there. Then last, last night, we're talking Thursday morning, we went to Wigan. Uh, yep. Again with a with an understrength team, um, and and it was fucking horrible. It was a really horrible game to watch. My question to you is: Are we a team now that that responds to the team that we play against? In the sense that when we played against Chelsea, we played very well, and Chelsea are a good team. When we played against Wigan, we played shit, and they're a shit team. What, what do you think? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a fair point. I mean. It seems to be with individuals as much as anything. If you look at somebody like Adebayo, he's getting this reputation as being a, a, a big game player, uh, which seems like sort of a, a strange thing because you, you know you've got to win three points against Chelsea is as valuable as three points against Wigan or, or vice versa. So you've got to be up for every game. But it does seem that as a team and as individuals, 
we sometimes perform better against the big sides. But I think that's less to do with sort of a psychological thing, but more to do with the way they play against us. Right. Would you uh, go along with, with my belief that going to Wigan and playing yeah. four five one is just far too negative, considering the players that we have. Uh, you know, the the Arsene Wenger was always uh, an attacking coach. His teams played attacking football. Um, sometimes it didn't work out because we were too attacking and, and got punished for that. I, I, do you think maybe we've gone too far the other way? Because w- with the greatest respect in the world, go to Real Madrid and play four five one. You don't want to lose. I understand that completely. Go to Chelsea and do the same. But when you go to Wigan. Those are teams that we should be really looking to beat and taking the game to. Yeah, well, I mean, it's funny because up until last season, even if we had gone to like a, a Man U or a Chelsea or whoever, we would have set up with a four four two. Arsene, after his first couple of seasons, sat with four four two and hasn't, you know, he wouldn't derivate from it at all. And he actually came out and said, you know, I, this is the formation that I play and I will continue to play it, and I won't be, you know, forced to change by the way that the 4-5-1 became fashionable in the Premiership, but he has developed his own sort of 4-5-1, as he would see it, I think. But I think we are using it unnecessarily now. Like, against Wigan, there's no reason for us to go and play play with a 4-5-1 because they, they are an attacking side. It's clear that they were going to at least play a 4-4-2 with McCulloch on the left, as it was they played even a 4-3-3, and it was a genuine 4-3-3, not a 4-5-1. And the space that we would have had to exploit attacking was was definitely there to be had. The problem, I suppose, I really have with our four five one is that it really is a four five one. Whereas you look at somebody like uh, like Barcelona, who mm. uh, they play a four three three. They have got, uh, let's say, a Gilberto, where they use someone like Marquez, where they use uh, Ed Milson uh, or Thiago Mata in in the centre. Then they have the the little guys. They've got the Xavi's and Iniesta's and Julies and all these sort of guys. People talk about our lack of uh, our lack of physical presence, but Barcelona don't have very much more than us. So yeah. I mean, with the players that we have, would if we're not going to play four four two, shouldn't we be looking to play a a four three three? Well, I mean, it, it's funny because if you think about, it, I mean, I hate to sort of set them up as a, you know, an example, but if you look at Chelsea, who are playing quite a bizarre formation at the moment, but when they had their one their two Premiership titles, they played this four, four five one four three three system, but it was a definite four three three in that they had two wide players in Robin and Duff or, or whoever it was, Joe Cole, uh, and they had very very few defensive responsibilities because they had, like you say, Ned Milson, they had a Makélélé in there, as we have Gilberto. But it seems, even though we have that, we seem to be unwilling to sort of relinquish players from the midfield uh, five. It's very much a sort of flat five with Henri Adebayo-Vera is quite isolated. You know, we have players who can get forward and score goals. We think, we think they have it in them. But if you look at the records of Fabregas, Kleb, Rositsky, they're not great, actually, at getting into the box and, and you know, making the difference. Hmm. So more goals from midfield. Because there was a, one point, I think Wigan had a, had a goal kick, and I was looking at it. This was in the, was it the first half or the second half? I think it was the first half. Uh, and, and the first half yesterday or against Wigan is not to be held up as any sort of uh, standard for football in any, yeah. in any uh, regard or at any level. But uh, Kirkland was on the edge of his box, and the TV screen 
uh, went about as far as the, the halfway line, sort of halfway between the halfway line and the center circle. There, okay. wasn't a, there wasn't a single player in view, so everything was condensed you know, into, the, into that midfield area. Sure. Um, and that is the problem, I think, is that we're getting uh, too hung up on, on not conceding rather than trying to score. We're making everything far too tight. Uh, you know, for us to, to, to complain that teams are coming to, to Ashburton Grove and playing 4-5-1 and, and making, uh, making it difficult for us to break them down, we're doing exactly the same thing to, to teams. And not just good teams, we're doing it to someone like Wigan. Yeah, it's exactly the same. You know, if you set out with a 4-5-1... You're saying we don't want to lose. If you start with a 4-4-2, you're going there to win. It's a, a psychological thing in that respect, and it, it, makes a, it makes a statement to your team. If you pick a team that's a 4-4-2, an attacking lineup, you know, you've got two wingers, two forwards, then you know, you're going to go on the front foot and try and win the game. The key example is something like the game against Spurs. Uh, it was at home, but we start with a 4-4-2, and from the off, for the first time, you know, we had attacking possession. We didn't have to build from the back. And it really made a difference. And I'm surprised that we haven't seen that formation since that game. Do you think the reason that we're playing a 4-5-1 is because we don't have the players for 4-4-2 or because Arsene is a little bit too cautious these days? Well, I think we do have players for 4-4-2. We, we, we don't really know because we haven't really regularly played it with Sesk and Gilberto as a partnership in a 4-4-2 for quite a long time. Um, the feeling is, I think, amongst a lot of people that the 442 uh, was abandoned because that partnership didn't have, you know, enough strength, enough, you know, power to survive against a lot of 451 teams. Um, Seth is sort of, you know, a year, two years older since then, and I think gets a bit. I don't really know why people think he's lightweight because he's actually. I bet if you look at the stats, he's one of the sort of biggest tacklers in the side. I mean, his tackle yesterday in the build-up to the goal was as good as anything you see from any of our other midfielders. So I don't really know what... You know, I think we need to try it because we have wide players. What we don't have is appear as someone who is going to get in the box regularly and score goals. I feel that Rosicki might have that in him, but, you know, Gilmberg's on the way. I, it, we haven't really tried, so we don't really know, I think, is the answer. Okay. Do you think, uh, let's say, with January coming up, uh, and, and Arsene has said time and again he's not going to buy in January, <clears throat> do you think that the addition of, now, I, I'm not a particularly big fan of, of Ribery, mm-hmm. but what he is is a player that can go past the player on the outside, can spread the play. What we lack, really, is when we play, for example, Rosicki on the left, and or Jumberg on the left and Kleb on the right, uh, what we lack is 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 width because all of those Freddie number one can't go past a man anymore. Yeah. He can't get past him on the outside, which is a shame. Rosicki, yeah. his natural tendency is to cut back inside onto his um, onto his right foot. Kleb, for some reason, seems to be allergic to going past a defender uh, on the right. You know, going mm-hmm. past him and go to the byline and put a cross in. So would. A player who can, uh, number one, has pace, and number two, who's quite happy to run at defenders and go past them and, and throw a ball into the box, would that make a difference to, to the manager's thinking in, in terms of playing a 4-4-2? I think it might make a difference, but I wonder if he thinks we already have somebody in that Theo Walcott has been used a lot as a wide player. And a lot of what Ribery brings to the game, I think, is what Wenger might be hoping Walcott can bring. That's certainly 
over the next couple of seasons. Um, I, I think that Ribery, I you know, I, I think he's a decent player. Actually, I think he's got good potential. And the things that frustrate me about someone like Freddie Jumberg are the f- things that Ribery has. As you say, he can't beat a man Jumberg, whereas Ribery can. Uh, Jumberg hasn't got that extra lot of pace, whereas Ribery has. But I just wonder. I don't think that Arsene would go in for somebody like Ribery who would hold somebody like Walcott potentially back. Right. Potentially. We're talking, let's let's face it, Theo is only 17 years of age. Yeah. He's got plenty of time, uh, you know, to, to make his mark on the team. Ribery, could he play on the left-hand side? I don't know. Ribery, yeah, he can play on the left, I think. Well, he's definitely played on the left of France. Uh, I haven't seen him much from us, so I don't really. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. No, uh, he could play from the left. But then you have to sort of... It, it, from the left in a 4-5-1, I suppose, because I think Rosicki is, is going to be a starter in whatever formation we play. And I think, you know, he deserves that as long as he's not injured. Um, I think that we would be a good signing. Uh, don't get me wrong, because he would add a lot of what we don't have. And, you know, Walcott is a good player, but sometimes he does look a bit out of his depth or, you know, he lacks experience. He can't play every game. Uh, we have no other winger as a sort of what I would call a true winger, you know. Um, since Reyes has left, somebody with pace who can get to the byline and can, well, you know, we never cross the ball, but potentially cross the ball. And um, Ribery would add that. I just, I think it's a, a nice idea, but I just cannot see Arsene going for it. I, I know he said often before, I won't be spending. And sort of, it's turned out to all be a ruse, as it were. But I really, this time, think that it's for real. I, I cannot see anyone coming in in January. No, me neither. As, as uh, was pointed out a few weeks back, it would take, you know, somebody going out for somebody to, to come in. And, and um, I don't know, it's hard to see who you could who you could sell, you know, uh, at this point. Anyway, we'll see what happens in January. No doubt there'll be speculation galore and it'll keep us busy on our blogs at least. Um, yeah, yeah. Go on. No, I was just going to say the only thing that will happen in January is we may have somebody return from injury, you know, a DRB or, I mean, I don't know what stage Lauren's at. But, um, yeah, it's, uh, from, from what I'm told, he's still a good way away from, from getting back to first team. Right, yeah. Which is I think I think the return of Diaby though would be would be a good thing though for the squad. Uh, if we are going to continue with a four five one, then he is somebody who I would like to see in there. You know, playing a similar role to the one Baptista sort of sort of played last night. You know, as the third as the third midfielder in there, someone who can 
get forward because in his few appearances for us he has shown a willingness to get into the box and be a presence so um, I'd like to see him back hmm. Me too, it'll be interesting to see uh, how he's used and where exactly he's used and maybe maybe he might be the player to to bring back the four four two with anyway uh, yeah. on on Sunday is it Saturday or Sunday We've today got... it's Thursday I know today no. is Thursday but the next game ah Saturday Saturday Portsmouth yeah uh, two old boys uh, involved there uh, number one Saul Campbell mm-hmm. and number two Tony Adams We'll start right. with we'll start with Tony Adams because somebody left a, a comment on the on the uh, on the comment audio th- system thing that I must think of a good name for, um, yeah. and uh, I'm having some technical problems today, so I, I can't deal with that as I would normally. So we'll talk about it now. He said, you know, he's a great player, an Arsenal legend, absolutely spot on as far as I'm concerned. Tony Adams was always one of my very favourite players being a, mm-hmm. a centre half with no pace myself. I, I identified very very readily with him. Um, <laughs> but since he's left, his relationship with the club has not been particularly great you would say. Uh, he didn't show mm-hmm. up for Dennis Bergkamp's testimonial. He didn't show up for the uh, final day at Highbury when you know we had practically every Arsenal player that ever played for the club uh, was there but the, a guy who was captain for you know close to you know fifteen years couldn't be seen anywhere. He said he wanted to say goodbye to Highbury on his own. But wh- what do you make of what's happened with, with, with Tony since he's left? It's a difficult one, isn't it? Because I, I I don't know all the ins and outs. I mean, I don't even know. Do you know if he was invited to these events? I'm sure he was. Yeah. I mean, there's no question. If you get Oleg Luzhny there, and I love Oleg as well, <laughs> but I mean, you know, if Oleg Luzhny is there, then you can be quite sure that that Tony Adams was invited. Yeah. I mean, it's quite clear that something has sort of soured relations, and I wonder. On, from his part, is it something about wanting to separate himself, you know, build an identity away from Arsenal Football Club? You know, it's quite clear that he didn't go straight into coaching with Arsenal, which possibly would have been an option. Uh, he went away, you know, he's been to Holland, he was at um, Wickham, and now he's at Portsmouth. And I think it's about... Uh, Adam seems to have this thing of wanting to be his own man, trying to say things that other people wouldn't say, like that time when he... I suggested that Wayne Rooney should be left out of the England team. Yeah. Uh, sort of slightly strange suggestions which are, are said to sort of create a stir. And I think he maybe feels that, you know, there was Adams the player, Adams the, you know, Mr. Arsenal, all this, all this stuff. And that now he's trying to, you know, he's looking at a career as a manager. It's had its ups and downs so far in coaching for him, but he's trying to definitely be his own person and, and individual and sort of build his own identity away from the club. Um, I think, you know, I, I think that he's wrong in that respect. I don't think that means that he can't go to Patrick Vieira's testimonial. Uh, but it's that's the only explanation I can find for what what's going on. It's a it's a strange one, all right, because you know, no matter what he does, you know, he's always going to you know have that association with Arsenal. And you know, from from his playing days, he spent his entire career at the club. Uh, he was a captain for for lots of years, and you know, became. Uh, you know, with the with the famous back four, Adams with his hand in the air is sort of an iconic Arsenal image. So um, I don't know. It just seems to me it seems a bit strange and a bit disappointing that 
um, for whatever reason he feels he can't he can't get involved and and uh, I know a lot of fans were were unhappy that he wasn't there on on the last day at Highbury but anyway complicated it's a shame he can't embrace it because it's no bad thing to have been captain of Arsenal Football Club for 10 years or whatever it was and mm. won all the trophies that he won I, I can't understand wanting to separate yourself from that because it's it's a, a huge achievement and he should be very proud of it and all Arsenal fans are very proud of him it's just a shame that that relationship isn't as reciprocal and positive as it should be absolutely okay another one uh, Sol Campbell uh, left this summer not too many people were unhappy to see him go. Uh, to be fair to him, he was a, a very, very big player for us on, on every level. Um, mm-hmm. His last season was, was pretty bad, uh, and it soured the, the relationship um, you know, with a lot of fans, particularly you know, the walkout against West Ham. For me, that was unforgivable. Um, but when it comes down to it, he doesn't really deserve any any stick. He doesn't deserve any any uh, you know beyond what a normal opposition player would get, does he? No, I don't think he'll get a, you know a negative reception. I mean, it's no Ashley Cole situation. But the interesting thing about it is that he did. Arsenal insists that Sol said that he wanted to go abroad, and that's why that he was released from his contract without a fee. Um, I don't know how much truth there is in that. I mean, I think if Sol wants to get a move board, maybe he did, maybe it didn't materialise. I can't imagine that Portsmouth was his, his first choice. Um, but he's done well since he got there. You know, they're, they're doing a very good job. You've got another Arsenal boy in Canu who's scoring all the goals now. And um, I don't think anyone has any particular hard feelings. I think that the, the West Ham walkout was a, 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 a real low for Sol uh, personally and professionally. Um, and I think the Champions League final goal probably helps redeem him slightly in a lot of Arsenal fans' eyes. You know, it allowed him to leave on a slightly more positive note. And I think on reflection, um, he really did help us. You know, over those years when we lost Adams, Bold, Keown, uh, he was there to, you know, bridge the gap, as it were. And he has to be looked on as a good signing and a good Arsenal player. Absolutely. No, I agree with that because, you know, really for his first three seasons, four seasons, um, you know, he was just, he was rock solid, rock solid. So anyway, uh, we'll see what happens uh, on Saturday. We'll have to leave it there uh, for this week. Thank you very much for taking the time to talk to us. That's a pleasure. Okay. All right, then. Uh, Till the next Arscast. Now, Arsene Wenger-Hawkins this week was... All set to do a very interesting piece, a feature-length documentary, in fact, on foreign ownership of English football clubs. It would have been absolutely fantastic, but uh, it wasn't to be. He received a proposition by email. This is what it said. Hi there, Mr. Arsene Wenger Hawkins. My name is Epinarmac Goldrick Hawkins. Your sexy bastard voice and violent tendencies really get the juices in my lady garden flowing down my inner thighs. Could we meet up some night to paint the town red and white? You reject me and I will show up at your fucking apartment in lingerie, throw you down on a beautiful French rug, smother you with my all-enveloping hairy juicy family causing you to die from asphyxia as I orgasm on your face. No pressure then, but the arse, but the arse, but the Up the arse indeed. Well, I passed it on to Mr. AWH himself, and, and this is what he had to say. Okay, lady. And I call you lady because even with my super hairy, made better because my sense of touch is more or less useless, I couldn't make out your real name. 
I have to warn you that I am not such a pushover, although if someone does push me over I find it very hard to get back up. I'm like a beetle on its back. While the idea of your drippy lady garden, as you so eloquently put it, more than turns me on, the idea of being asphyxiated by your orgasmic fanny sort of turns me off again. However, it reminds me of a time when I tried to sign Hollywood actress Hilary Swank to play for my team. There would have been no problem with her being a lady because not only does she look like a man, she looks like a man crossed with a horse. At that time the league had no woman policy, but any man who had been genetically modified and interbred with an animal was free to take part. When we got her in for her medical though it was a big shock. Physically she passed all the tests. She could jump a seven-foot wall with Harvey Smith on her back, she came first in the 245 at Newmarket, and her hay-eating was second to none. It was her lady bits were the problem. Where we expected to see normal things, she had snakes growing, and if you look closely there were miniature hedgehogs, and bright blue scorpions, shooting scorpion piss all over the place. At that point we called off the deal. I heard later that she was approached by Chelsea, but they didn't sign her because they already had a squad full of horrible cunts. Oh, yes. So there you go. Fantastic for Arsene Wenger Hawkins that after just a few weeks on the side, he's receiving all kinds of propositions. Um, and me, five years after doing it, I've yet to receive one. Must be his sexy voice. What can you do? Oh, he also has uh, a very quick message for Alan Pardew, who was sacked during the week. <laughs> you cunt. As always, succinct and to the point. Arsene Wenger-Hawkins will be back next week. Now, the uh, the bit where I answer your questions, and uh, thanks to all of you who left comments during the week, but for some reason, I couldn't download the audio, um, apart from for one of them, which, uh, you know, I, I don't understand what's going on. But anyway, I'll try and get through the questions because uh, they're all very good. Richard actually asked about Tony Adams and why he's been so out of favour with the club uh, since he left. Uh, that was sort of discussed in the Arscast, so we'll leave that one there. Thank you, Richard. Gail Clichy as Trey's Rapide, in his tremendously posh voice, asked, uh, who uh, should we play at the moment, Senderos or Juru? Uh, and I think, obviously, at the moment, Juru's the guy in form. He's fit. He's had a good preseason. I think Senderos is struggling because he hasn't had a preseason. I know some people don't rate him. I think he's a very good player, but I do think people have to take into account that he's injured or has just come back from an injury, um, and uh, he's struggling a bit at the moment. But I think we need to support our players, uh, and people forget that he was part of that defence that did so well. Uh, in the Champions League, and um, you know, obviously he's got he's got the potential to be a good player. He just needs time, and he's only 21, which is still very young for a central defender. What I'm glad though is that we have Colo, we have Gallas, we have Senderos, and we have Juru, who are both uh, or both who all four are very good centre halves to have. Uh, Boz sent me 20 seconds of silence. Thank you for that, Boz. I'm not sure what way to take it. Uh, Alex from Malawi. Just left a message to say hi and that he enjoys the Arscast. Thank you, Alex in Malawi. And finally, Tyler, uh, who was on last week asking about Tom, was on this week saying that he's got an Ashley Cole shirt, um, which obviously uh, he bought 
in the past, and now he would like to get rid of it. But he'd like to get rid of it in, in a, an ingenious, in a special way. And what he'd like to do is to make a video of this uh, destruction. Um, so what he's looking for is suggestions from Irish blog readers or from Arscast listeners uh, on how he might get rid of the shirt, whether it's setting it on fire, whether it's smearing it with poo and posting it to Ashley Cole himself. Who knows? So here's what you do. If you're interested, go to the Arse Blog uh, page, click on the Arsecast link on the right-hand side, and leave a message on this audio thing, which I'm sure I'll get sorted by next week. So leave a message and give us some suggestions about how, how Tyler can get rid of the Ashley Cole shirt. Um, I'll play them next week then on the show in what will be the last Arsecast before Christmas. Only nine days to Christmas, folks. I hope you've all done your shopping. Uh, Ashley Cole's book still hasn't sold more than 4,000 copies, which is fantastic. And uh, I'm sure Perry Grove's book is doing very, very well. But remember, if it's a Christmas present you want for an Arsenal fan, let's make sure that Perry gets that book. And I'm sure that one day down the line when Perry Groves realizes how famous Arse Blog has made him and how much money Arse Blog has made him since we started promoting that book, that he'll, he'll feel like he should donate some of that uh, enormous wealth to me in order that I might continue the the mission that I have. It is a mission. It's a calling, a vocation uh, as such. Sort of, not really. I wish someone would send me money. All donations in unmarked bills can be sent to 7 Dublin, Ireland. They'll find me here, I promise you. Okay, that's just about that for another Arsecast, with thanks to ClassicFootballShirts.co.uk. Finally, we have, as always, our bet of the week, with thanks to BlueSquare.com. That's www.bluesq.com. This week, Simon Wolf says, Premiership games at Ashburton Grove have followed a similar script. Arsenal score first, they win 3-0. Arsenal concede first, and it finishes 1-1. Every game has been the same. So this week, if you want to back Arsenal to score first and win 3-0, you can get that at 8-1. While if you fancy Arsenal to concede first and draw 1-1, you can get that at 12-1. So get down to www.bluesq.com, put your bet on, and rake in the money. I'm sure it'll happen. Right, that's it. Another Arsecast with thanks to ClassicFootballShirts.co.uk is over. But don't cry. There'll be another one next week, probably. Until then, take it easy. Cheerio. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.